now tuned into anything potable. The most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. Welcome to Anything is Potable. I'm not going to do the yelling part because that feels embarrassing. I am Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan. I've made half my personality being a fan of the Boston Celtics. I am joined, as always, by El Nino, the kid, the god, the legend himself. What's the other half of your personality? Justice, baby, justice. Um, We can talk more about plea bargaining. That seemed to go over well at the end of last podcast. But no, we are here to talk about the Celtics' horrible, horrible performance in Game 3 of the Eastern Conference semifinals. I am joined, as always, by Jay King, who is down in Miami and got to witness... This just embarrassing performance live and in person. And Jay, I'll just let you have the floor and give your thoughts on what the hell happened tonight. Nothing good. <laughs> Nothing, at Nothing good at all. That was a stunning loss. It was a gutless loss. The Celtics got scored on early. They got scored on a lot. They could not stop Caleb Martin, Duncan Robinson, or Gabe Vincent. They got just beat up in the first half, mostly by three-pointers. A lot in transition. And then... Just kind of seemed to let go of the rope. Marcus Smart had a great rebound. Great rebound early in the third quarter. And one. Actually brought the Celtics within uh, 12 points. Within 12 points. It, it, it seemed doable in that moment. It was not. It was not. They, uh, their defense hasn't been what it used to be all season even though they finished high in the rankings and they just got whacked by the heat offense, just whacked. And it was like, again, the heat are shooting out of their mind, but at some point you have to stop Duncan Robinson drives to the hoop. You can't just let him get easy buckets and let turn him into a playmaker, throwing alley-oops and then throwing simple passes to wide open Gabe Vincent. Like, yes, the Heat shot 56% from the field and 54%, and that's well above what you would expect them to shoot. But the Celtics just did not have any resistance whatsoever, could not consistently get a stop. It felt like they, whatever their approach was into the game, they were immediately just, like, very upset with every single call they didn't think they were getting. Um complaining a lot about that, just didn't seem locked into this game whatsoever. Jason Tatum, 14 points, 6 of 18, not good. Jalen Brown, 6 of 17, 12 points, also not good. Both of those guys combined to shoot 1 for 14 from 3. The Celtics shot 26%. They got to the magic number of attempting uh, 43s, which is, you know... What but a lot of that was like, some of that was Peyton Pritchard and Sam Hauser firing late in the fourth quarter while the starters had already been benched. 
Oh, a lot of it was that, yes. Uh, I, I do concur. The starters did, did launch a number of threes. Uh, seven for Brown, seven for Tatum, five for Al Horford, six for Derek White. And Horford and White actually made some. Marcus missed all three, but it's just like at some point in the third quarter, it was just painfully obvious that this is like they don't have it and there's just no chance of them coming back into it. Even though they were generating, I guess, better looks in the third quarter, they just didn't come to compete in this game and a lot of comments are going to be made about Joe Missoula after the game just being like yeah he he fell on the sword for the team um he was asked if he there was a a lost the locker room or if there's a disconnect in the locker room confusion about the phrasing of that but he basically said yeah whatever he did he was not telling the team to go out and lose by 28 and so like and he fell on the sword from that one. What did you think of Missoula's kind of post-game press conference and him trying to take responsibility for that, where it feels like it's a lot on the players on this one? Yeah, I think it's a lot on the players. Um, so the one thing, he said they lost their defensive identity. And I, I don't want to pretend like the offense was good either because it wasn't. There were They had six turnovers in the first quarter. They have not been able to deal with all of Miami's help, and they have not been able to target the weak links in Miami's rotation, like Kevin Love, who couldn't even move out there, but they weren't going at him. Um, They have not been able to generate three-pointers with the same consistency they did most of the season, and that's obviously been a huge focus from Eric Spolstra. He said at one point that the Celtics can't win if they don't make threes, which seems to be pretty true. Um, Accurate representation of the Celtics this entire season. Yeah, and but the, the the one thing about that defensive identity and and where at this point it has you questioning what Missoula's done to get here, I just felt like he, he always emphasized offense, and that's a huge change from Ime Udoka, who was only about the defense. He only cared about that. He wanted them. He always played bigger guys. Always played bigger front courts. Um, always wanted Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum at the two and three as much as possible. And it just felt like from the start, Missoula changed that emphasis. And I think like doing that made sense. The Celtics ran out of offense in the playoffs last year. They could not handle. I was going to say last year's playoff run, they were terrible, terrible on offense. they, They could not handle Golden State's defense. Like offense just went to shit in the fourth quarters of games but they could always rely on their defense. And so Missoula came in knowing what happened last year and it started Derek White almost all season, even when Robert Williams was healthy enough to play and play big minutes. Went away from Grant Williams, who, whose size and physicality, even though he has some warts as an individual defender, were important for the Celtics defense. Even earlier in the series, plays Peyton Pritchard in game one, instead of Grant, who can at least be a body to use on Bam, on Jimmy, who I thought the only time the Celtics looked any good today was in the second quarter when Grant was playing center and playing a ton of help defense and doing a really good job with it. Um, So just kind of every decision Missoula made all season seemed to be designed for offense, seemed to be designed to shoot threes and, use that to then get to the hoop 
And somewhere along the way, they just lost their defensive way. And they finished second in defense. Like, it wasn't the worst defense by any stretch of the imagination. They just weren't un- – they weren't invincible like they were last year. And I would say even in the finals when Steph Curry went bonkers, the Golden State Warriors were still significantly worse as an offense than they were during the regular season against the Celtics. Yeah, I mean, they don't have that anymore. Like, guys, Trey Young had a great, like, three or four games in that series, three and a half games. Did we lose you, Jay King? Seems like we did, so I'm going to keep on talking. Uh, yeah, the, the defensive identity of this team um, just didn't show up at all, and we talk about defensive habits or championship habits forming and it felt like they could never get stops or like get back to just getting back to that identity and saying they like admitting they lost their defensive identity is 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 quite damning it's never something they could really just like all right for the next five possessions we're absolutely going to get stops here and that's what they needed to do in the multiple stretches in the first half of this game, they actually did a decent job of it in to close the uh, first half. They closed the first half on a 9-2 run. It just so happens that they're already down by 22 at that point. So they're only cutting the game to 15. It's still extremely annoying that Gabe Vincent scored 29 points. It was 11 for 14 tonight, and Caleb Martin was 7 for 11, and Duncan Robinson was 7 for 11. Um, A lot of those points came in the second half where it's just kind of a joke of a game. But at some point, like, they, the Heat are shooting an an absurd percentage, and the Celtics are not matching that on uh, on their end of the court. And you're just never going to win a basketball game or a basketball series when you're going completely outshot from three. And... For whatever reason tonight, it felt like the the Celtics just didn't show up with enough defensive intensity, just too, letting too many guys beat them off the dribble. Um, whatever the two, and I understand going away from the two big lineup because their offense really wasn't working when that was in, and so they just never really figured out a way um, in which they could play both uh, both ends of the court, one end defensively, one end offensively. And it, uh, Jay's right. It feels like Missoula's uh, emphasis this entire season has been on the offensive end of just being outscoring teams, pace and space, and scoring as many threes as possible. And they did not have an answer whatsoever when that wasn't necessarily working for them. There was no defensive identity to fall back on. And uh, they didn't have a defensive lineup, but the two bigs, that was good enough offensively. Hello? Can you hear me? Now we can hear you. All right. I got tossed off. I don't know where you stopped listening to me. I I went on a long-ass rant. And uh, then I realized that I wasn't in the live room anymore. But... (laughs) Well, I, I kind of took it over for you. I was mostly talking about their lack of defensive identity. I kind of merged that into Missoula's emphasis on offense and how they never, even with their more offensive lineup, if that wasn't clicking, they didn't have a defensive thing they could fall back on. And their defensive lineup didn't get enough time in the season to like kind of like have a go-to offense. And so 
despite their versatility, despite all of their depth. And it's funny that we're talking about the season as it's a, they still have one game left to play. Um, but it's, it's over, folks. Um, but they just haven't found a, a five-man unit that can do both defense and offense at this point. Yeah. They, uh... They, it's just, I mean, tonight was just bad. Just wasn't good. No, no part of it was good. No part of it was was at all promising. No part of it suggested they have any life left. Um, and this is a team, like, honestly, there will be talk about how they don't have heart or whatever. This is a team that has come back from a lot of deficits and typically played their best with the backs against the wall and has, even this season, like, they won game six on the road in Philly. They smacked Philly in game seven. They've, they're they a tough team. Uh, but for whatever reason, like, the Heat just broke them. Absolutely broke them. So. They had a plus 18 advantage on the offensive glass. Or no, plus 20 advantage on the offensive glass tonight. And lost by 26 points, which is just not something that normally happens. Like, the Heat have shot the ball absolutely ridiculously. You have to give them credit for doing that and having the players who can step up and do that, and you have to discredit the Celtics for not making any like those shots particularly difficult and letting these guys get into rhythm. But, yeah, it's just in game one, they played decently and then just got destroyed in that third quarter. In game two, they played pretty well, but then lost, a, lost it down the stretch of the fourth quarter, and it just felt like they particularly Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown just didn't didn't show up tonight tonight because they feel like they they know they're overmatched in the series which is weird because they should have more talent or they knew or they gave up on the coach or whatever the reason is but they just didn't there wasn't they didn't compete tonight and like it's weird because they did so in game six against the Sixers they did so in game seven against the Sixers but for whatever reason tonight they just didn't have it and I have no idea if they're going to even try and show up in game four but at this point after seeing what they did in game three there's no reason to believe they're going to be like oh now we're going to win one for the Gipper and like give total effort for 48 minutes in game four yeah Al Horford said it's just part of their journey and it's like no man this is the end of your journey like that's that's it <laughs> that, that was a must win game nobody comes back from down 3-0 can't see the heat with Eric Spolstra and Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo and Caleb Martin giving up a 3-0 lead the uh, the king Caleb Martin I am in a, it must have been a, like a Celtics room for some of the Celtics party that was here in Miami. And on the mirror, it says unfinished business. Oh, that's, it certainly is unfinished. It's certainly not approached to finishing the business whatsoever. Yeah, the thing about unfinished business is that sometimes it stays unfinished. (laughs) Or in the Heat's case, sometimes it becomes finished on the other side. Well, they're they they've finished their Eastern Conference business, but it's fun to be you know, like I never knew I was a big Nuggets fan until tonight, and so that's going to be a, a fun part of the NBA Finals that doesn't start until June first. We just get to wallow in the Celtics' failure for the next week. That's going to be awesome. The uh, 
what did you think about Missoula's press conference? Like, I thought it was, it's like, it's one, it's like a classic Brad Stevens move was what I thought. It's like, if you read the growth mindset, it's all about like leaders need to take full accountability for everything. And if you like fail, it is your fault. And so I wasn't really surprised by Missoula kind of doing that. Um, I think uh, the clip got tweeted out that he like lost. He had just admitted to losing the locker room, where I think he was just admitted that like, yeah, obviously something's not working, and so I think that kind of got taken out of context. Yeah, the, the question was, I don't want to say you've lost the locker room, but is there a disconnect between you and the players? Like, is your message not getting through, basically? And his answer to me was basically like, he had no shit. We just got fucking smacked in a game that we needed. Uh, like clearly, so that, that is not getting through. Yeah, yeah. That that was my take on it. Like, does it look like my message was getting through, bro? They shot sixty three percent for the first three quarters. I, I didn't take it as him saying like, these guys hate me. They they actively aren't doing what I told them. It was more like, did you see what happened out there? There's clearly a disconnect because I didn't tell them to go play like punks. Yeah. And, like, the more I was thinking about it and, like, looking at the people's response on Twitter, like, people are – no one has ever had a good tweet with a good idea in it. it Twitter's only good for jokes uh, uh, and gifts and things like that. But people are just, like, freaking out. Fire Missoula. Trade Jalen Brown. We can get to the offseason stuff when it actually becomes the offseason. But, like – and this is absolutely me making excuses for Joe Missoula right now um, because I, like, yes – uh, Eric Spolstra has been a far better coach in this series, but uh, I don't know. It just feels like a guy who's in his first uh, deep playoff run who got thrust into being a head coach with three days to prepare. And, um, like, I don't know. I just don't know what the necessarily expectations are for a first-year head coach to a guy who's 34 years old and I don't think had any even front of the bench experience before this. And so I think he's like clearly done a lot of good things in the league, but like just the, the kind of it's tough for him to come in with championship expectations. That's not to say there's not bunches of things he can improve upon, but it's just like wild that people expect him to be as good at Eric, as Eric Spolstra or like right now when it's his first time ever in an Eastern Commerce Finals or in a playoffs or anything like that. And maybe that's probably... Yeah, we can unpack some more of this stuff later once the season actually ends, which it probably will soon. But another thing is, like, they just lost a ton of talent from their staff in general. So it's it's not just, like, Joe... It's not Joe alone. It's like they lost Will Hardy, who was a great coach in Utah, one of the best coaches in the league this year. They lost Ime, who was a great coach in Boston last year, really impactful, helped lead their turnaround. They lost Damon Stoudemire to Georgia Tech, who was outside of Aaron Miles, who played 19 games in the NBA, the only guy on the staff with NBA experience. So by the end of the season, they had like a bare-bone staff and and there's just like like they lost so much intelligence and experience from the staff they had last season so and you can pin that on the Celtics for not hiring someone to fill those guys spots 
but I think at the beginning of the season, especially in Joe's seat, it's like Ime's guys were were his staff, and if you hire someone over Ime's guys, that could just create more dissension and than there already was. So it it was a really tough job. It has been a really tough job. Um, in tonight's game, though, like the thing that stood out to me most from these first three games is the Heat. Like they have obvious weaknesses. They have Kevin Love in their starting lineup, who can't really guard. They have Cody Zeller as their backup big man, who should not be able to stay with many guys on the Celtics. They have smaller guards who should be targets for the Celtics wings who are 6'7", 6'8", all-NBA players. And the Celtics have had so much trouble getting to those weaknesses, exploiting those weaknesses. And then the Heat come down, and all they do is run one screen, and all of a sudden Jimmy Butler has a Derek White matchup which he's super comfortable in. And Derek White deserved to be second-team all-defense this year. He was awesome at defense all year. That's just a brutal matchup for him. And he's not big enough, not strong enough to deal with Jimmy in, in the post, on the on the bounce. And, and the Heat, like, they just get to that easily. And that's it. And it's like... Do you think the offense is too reliant on, like, the free flowing decision-making and, like, we're just going to drive and kick, drive and kick, drive and kick, and hopefully generate threes that way, where it's just, like, it, you're right, because it doesn't feel like it was, like, deliberate enough, especially when it comes time to the playoffs, where it's, like, very important for you to take advantage of specific matchups. It never felt like, and it hasn't felt like at all this year, that Joe Mazzulla's offense is... Um, I mean, it, I guess it points to the third quarter in game two. They really attacked Kevin Love. I feel like there was times against the Sixers where they really went at Maxi, And, like, there, there's been points where they've attacked specific guys. But it feels like otherwise the offense is, like, just get in there and we'll run some 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 stuff. But it's just going to make, make the right read, point five decision-making, and it's less deliberate about attacking the specific weaknesses of the other team. And it's more about just, like, trying to get into, like, good action. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's hard to say that, like, in the second round against Philly, the Celtics scored more points per possessions than they did during the regular season when they were an awesome offense. And so in this series, yes, their offense has, has fallen off for sure, and they haven't been able to get some of those threes. But, like, Malcolm Brogdon had probably four wide-open off-the-dribble threes tonight. And for some reason, the Celtics were just airballing everything. <laughs> it did not help. It did not help that they missed uh, everything. And then just the turnovers, like the Heat play very physical basketball and do a very good job of just like swiping, getting their hands on the ball on drives. And it felt like the Celtics had the same struggles last year against the the exact same Heat team, but just have not, for whatever reason, figured out how to kind of deal with the, this kind of swarming help defense from the Heat and just the six turnovers in the first quarter leading to uh, nine points for the Heat on, on like, turnover. It's just, like, was is brutal and just, like, not what you need to when you need to start a game and get out to a lead and actually, like, try to have a chance at this series. Yeah, and I, like, turnovers was an issue that 
they didn't deal with as much this year. They took care of the ball during the regular season. They took care of the ball during the first couple rounds of the playoffs. Like they were much better at that. But this Heat team, they have taken away the, the easy three-pointers. They have really limited the Celtics on that front. And the Celtics just haven't had enough answers. And uh, Al Horford just kind of his offense disappearing has been really tough. Like that, that has been a big deal. And I don't know. <laughs> and Jalen Brown's dis- offense disappearing has been a Yeah, big, and Jalen, it seems like Jalen has just been super eager to just make stuff happen. And he was very good in the first quarter tonight. He was the only reason this, the game didn't get away from the Celtics, like, right away. But, but a lot of it was just, like, he's he's been super eager and too eager and if you're not patient against this heat team if you're not willing to like really run stuff and execute then they're gonna force you into tough stuff and they're gonna be trying to take charges and they're gonna force you to into some turnovers and i just felt like all series long or most of the series he just hasn't been willing to just trust the offense and and that, that's that's been a problem for him sometimes in the past it was definitely a problem tonight and in game two and, and like I said like they used to be able to fall back on their defense and throughout this playoffs that has really come and gone they haven't been able to trust it in big moments the second half of game two or the fourth quarter of game two was just like they couldn't get a rebound. They weren't, they weren't tough enough. They couldn't get a stop. And they, and it's just, it was just like, they didn't have any help on Jimmy Butler. And then tonight they helped on Jimmy Butler and the other guys just killed him. And, and once, once the other guys started going, the Celtics just kind of seemed to pack it in. Wow. (laughs) At what point, like, I hate this portion of sports talk analysis, but it's like, is it part of the... It's so bizarre because we've seen Jason Tatum in Game 6 respond and be resilient uh, and, like after being having a terrible start, make those four threes, then have the game seven that he did. We see him respond in against the Bucks last year and against the Heat this year. But, like, him, Jalen Brown, just didn't have it tonight, didn't have the effort, or we're playing too tight, we're complaining about the refs, just... And it's hard to get into the chemistry of the, the team. I don't, I don't know if you saw Wash's tweet about, like, Jalen Brown's press conference and him having a lot of, like, hesitation. And, like, do you, do you think there's, like, something going on in the, like, the locker room where this team doesn't like each other? Or is there anything on that front? I don't think so. Because... They haven't thrown anybody under the bus. Uh, like even even when Jalen screwed up in Game Five of the Philly series, guy like Marcus Smart said, who has gone at Jalen in the past, has like stood up for him and said, you know, that I'll I'll live with him making a read any time of the day, even though it was clearly the the worst read he could have possibly made in that decision. So I, I don't feel like there is, but there's definitely like 
they stopped playing good basketball consistently when they came back from the all-star break and and they ever since then like i would say even in the first round against the hawks that wasn't like a promising series <laughs> that wasn't where they just beat the pants off a hawks team and like could have missed the playoffs they let atlanta get into rhythm they dropped game five at home with a chance to close out the series and a double digit lead in the fourth quarter they and so it's just like they they haven't reached that elite level that they did last season and probably the first like 26 games of this season when they were 21 and 5 they just haven't reached that in a while do you think and, there's too much variance on like three point shooting? Because like they were twenty one and five when they were shooting forty five percent from three, and like is that is maybe just feels like a flawed design. Whereas Packard, what's up with your headphones, man? Are you reading the comments now? People are very upset with it. Can you? I just got it? a te- I just got a text from from the man, the myth, the legend, Marcus Thompson. I tell Mark. I appreciate Marcus Thompson tuning in. Uh, I don't. This is the same headphone setup uh, used all season. Uh, and the same one that never works. If you plug in headphones to the athletic app, it, you should be able to hear it better. Um, but I, I, I feel bad for disappointing Marcus Thompson. He's a, a great writer. Go buy his book. Um, books. Uh, books. Books. Books, plural. Um, but uh, also feel free to listen to the actual podcast version. We'll have much better audio there. This is just in the live room. Uh, but... I guess, do you think it's just based on the identity of just like, this is an offensive team and we're going to live and die by the three and it's just not a sustainable way to win in the playoffs? I mean, the Warriors won four championships in eight seasons with that. That seems like... Great defense every single year they had a a one four championship. I guess they had Kevin Durant for two of these years, but they still had a, a very solid defense in their championship runs. And that's that's to me the piece that the Celtics that went missing for the Celtics this season. Like you're not going to be great offensively every night. There are going to be times when you don't go twenty for forty two from the three point arc. Can you win a game when you don't do that? And the Celtics haven't been able to, haven't always been able to, and and the Heat know it, man. <laughs> Like Spolstra was telling it to him. Those dudes, those dudes play so hard, and they're so tough. They're so committed. I cannot believe I picked Celtics in five in this series. What an idiot! <laughs> I mean, you, you and ESPN said the Celtics had a ninety-seven percent chance of winning. So all the analytics and all the numbers. Uh, well, <laughs> well, that was about the time we everyone should have known that the Heat were winning the series. As soon as ESPN said it was ninety-seven to three, that's that's outrageous. That's what I mean. It was purely what the analytics say, and it's based on uh, the numbers that turned in during the regular season. And the Celtics were the top two in defense and offense, and so I understand why the analytics said that. Um, but yeah, that the, the numbers don't play the basketball. Um, here's a question for you: Do you think Jason Tatum feels foolish for showing up to the game in an all-white suit? Yes. Yes, I do. That was that's a suit you've gotta win with. You can when you show up with the Miami Vice suit. 
you cannot show up to your post-game press conference after getting whacked by 26 points, was it? And wear that. In Miami, nonetheless. Like, rocking a Miami outfit in Miami. You can't. You can't. I, I would have shown up in my jersey to the press conference. But at the same time, do you think Al Horford feels foolish for wearing a very colorful blouse? Because I feel like it's less bad for Al than the all-white suit Jason Tatum was wearing. Did you call it a blouse? Yeah, it's one of the things I do. It's kind of a bit uh, referred to. Good bit, man. Blouses. Yeah, no, I think it's funny. It plays. People seem to like it. Good bit. Uh, Evaluate yeah, the blouse, King. Evaluate the blouse. What, <laughs> what disturbs you most about the first three games of this series? Disturbing most was game the, the game three of just not showing up whatsoever. But, like, are you worried long-term? Are you worried about Joe Missoula? Like, what what is the most distressing thing to you about what's happened over the first three games? I think it's – honestly, it's, like, Al Horford, just, like, how dependent this team is on Al Horford and Al Horford's offense. Like, I went back and looked at his playoff run last year, and he shot 48% from three. And that felt like it was huge for them in just order to generate spacing and how kind of reliant they are on on them playing five out and getting three-pointers that way. And if he doesn't show up, it feels like it's just so much more of a lift for the rest of the team to try and do things. And, like, I don't know. I still believe that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart are good players and can be good players moving forward and that they they will all get better next season and Joe Mazzula will get better next season. But, like... I don't know how you necessarily build around them. That being said, like, is Rob Williams going to be the player he was before the injury last year ever again? Because he's just what has not been consistent at all, um, basically, in these playoffs. And he just doesn't seem to have the same bounce that he did when it was like prime Rob. This is the best defensive team ever. And so I guess the big situation is the most disturbing things because it feels like the Jays are going to be fine, but like moving forward, how do you surround them with guys who can um, kind of put them in the best position to win? Yeah, and Horford was really good most of the season. Shot an extremely high percentage from three most of the season. This might be that he just hit a slump at the worst time, but it was bad, and he wasn't as effective. I would say on either end of the court. And it's not just the three-pointers either. It's it's like his his two-pointers almost entirely went away this season. Like he had a uh, post-up on Max Struess today, and I was like, oh, wow, Al scored a two. Like, that's weird. He just – he wasn't able to beat switches. He never, ever gets to the free-throw line. And – And those are, like, stuff around the margins that you can live with sometimes and most of the time. But he's taken two free throws all playoffs. Like, all playoffs, the guy has taken two free throw attempts. And, like, that that can be a big deal. When you're center, most of the time he's playing center, can't get to the line, doesn't really make two pointers like 
you're just not putting a lot of pressure on the rim with your center. And it puts a lot on the other guys, the guards, the wings, to to get there and, and create advantages. So, yeah, I, I would say Horford's, Horford's play, like, to me, he'll probably need to transition to being a bench guy at some point over the next two years during his contract extension, maybe next year. And, and Rob needs to come back and just be better, bouncier than he was this season. Um, those guys were still really effective when they were on the court together defensively. But the Celtics defense really seemed to slip when they weren't together. Like last year, they were typically able to to defend at a high level most of the time, no matter what. And maybe, maybe it's just that they they haven't didn't utilize those guys together very often and played a lot smaller and everything like that. Um, and then the the Brogdon acquisition was awesome most of the year, right? And. I really think he's given the Celtics like he gave them a a new dimension but it also put like just a lot of guards in their rotation. And yes, they're all big guards, but they're not 6-7, they're not 6-8. And and I think that mattered too to to the Celtics defense like like they just they they played smaller because they had better guards, deeper guards. And, uh, but I guess, I mean, Pritchard played a fair amount last year. It wasn't, that wasn't the only change, but just felt like they, they could have used another six, seven wing and may, maybe they should have just played Grant Williams more for, for the season. Um, the Joe like Mazzulla thing. I do think playing Grant more is a kind of a natural solution. If we're talking about, Al Horford not being getting two pointers and not being physical enough, and them not having enough physical six eight people. Like it feels like that you're we're just describing them needing to play Grant more. And Grant, albeit had a very great start to the season, and then kind of his year was very weird, getting like DNPs and things like that, um, and being kind of well less consistent in the middle of the year. So he didn't necessarily like, cement his role or earn his role, but it does feel like he probably should have gotten more time and more consistent time um, in the playoffs, uh, and especially just to start this series. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a weird saga all season. Just a weird, weird thing. Um, and then we, the... the we're, we're, oh, go for it. Go for it. The Missoula thing, Ike, it's, it's hard to argue <laughs> impossible to argue that he hasn't been really outcoached in this series. Uh, that's pretty clear from how well the Heat are executing to how the Celtics aren't, to how fourth quarters have gone, to the way the Heat have been able to hide their defensive liabilities, and the Celtics, who have fewer defensive liabilities, have not. He's 34, and it sucks for the Celtics that this is his first time and he's still learning and has a lot to learn. But I also think they chose him because they trust that he will learn. And like looking back on the season and it's not over yet, we'll still unpack a lot of it later. But 
he handled so much so well from the transition from Udoka to instilling better offensive principles to getting just like they won 57 games. They, they came back against Philly and game six and seven. And he eventually got to the lineup change that they needed in that series. Uh, but I was reminded while, while watching the three games of this series, like of my guy, Jason quick story on Eric Spolstra, where 2011 finals, I think that was his, his rookie year, right? The first LeBron year. And, and they lost in the finals that year. And apparently he just hold himself up in the film room all, all summer. And just was like, I need to figure this out. I need to come back and be able to, to find solutions for these guys, put them in better positions. And, and to me, it's like, sometimes you're just gonna, you're not going to know how to handle things when you're a rookie head coach. So I think, I think that really, that part of it sucks for the Celtics that he's not ready to be an elite head coach right now. Um, But I also think that they chose him because they believe that he will put in the time. He will find, find how to handle this. And it's really bad timing. Ime Udoka put them in an awful spot. Um, But, and it sucks for the Celtics that like, this is a year when they had every piece to win a championship. They're playing the eight seed in the Eastern Conference Finals. This is like as golden an opportunity as you could possibly get. And and so it, it would be extremely disappointing for them to get swept or even to lose this series. But I still think they have belief in Joe long term. And uh I think from everything that, that you hear about him, like he is the type of guy who will put in the work to try to get it right and, and fix everything that he hasn't handled the best so far this season. Yeah, if I can rely on anyone to have a crazy response to losing their first time in the playoffs and locking themselves in a film room and trying doing everything they can to figure it out, it's going to be Bazooka Joe. Now, we can get to the full eulogy of this team. We can do the full breakdown of what happens once they are officially out of this series, but they are not officially out. It takes four games. Many people have been tweeting that the Boston Red Sox lost game three of their series against the Yankees, 19 to eight. All I'm asking Jay King, (laughs) is there a chance? Is there a chance that they've become the first team in NBA history to come back from a 3-0 deficit? Did it look like there was a chance tonight? Did there look like a chance in Game Three when the Celtics or when the Red Sox lost nineteen to eight, and then you can't let them win one because then they got uh, Pedro on the mound in Game Five uh, and Schilling on the mound in Game Six, and anything can happen in Game Seven. So who's Pedro in this scenario? Uh, good question. Um, I guess Al Horford shows up and gives you like a seven for seven game from three. Would be Ted Pedro. They're both Dominican. I think that's a, a solid connection. I don't know who Schilling is. They need to be someone pitching like with a. I feel like Marcus guy. Smart would be the bloody sock guy. Yeah, because he doesn't feel like he's fully healthy every time. Like there was that play in Game One where he just came down and looked like he hurt his back. So yeah, Marcus Smart is the Game Six guy. So it's really they just need to win Game Four, and will they show up? Is the big question. I just think it's like a. 
it's a pride thing. Like, they don't even have to win, but to, like, not turn in a terrible effort like they did tonight feels just kind of important for general vibes moving forward towards uh, next season and for people not just, like, absolutely losing their shit uh, on Twitter just so I don't have to be annoyed by that. Yeah, yeah. Nobody, nobody should annoy Packard on Twitter. Actually, just please add him with your craziest theories right now. I want to drive Packard crazy. What have I ever done to you except be supportive? Uh, <laughs> what do you? Should think? I really answer that? Uh, yeah, sure. Let's look after that. No, you've you've pretty much been supportive. I would say. Yeah, honest and open dialogue here. Um, what do you think happens in Game Four? And we'll we'll end on that. They're gonna get swept. Well, no, but like, is it swept? Like, is it a, is it a like what type of heartbreaking loss do you think it is? Is it a totally no show like Game Three? Is it a, a late fourth quarter collapse like Game Two, or is it like a just get destroyed in the third quarter like Game One? What type of terrible loss? They'll be close for a half, and then Jimmy. We'll do some crazy stuff, and the Heat will pull away in the second half. I think they lose on not a buzzer beater hit by the Heat, but a missed buzzer beater. Like, they have a chance to win, kind of like Marcus Smart in Game 4 of the Sixers series, where it's a wide-open look. They could have extended the series, and I think a Jalen Brown shot hits back rim, and that's how they lose Game 4. I mean, the sure. <laughs> if that happens, we'll be here to talk about it. If they happen to win, we'll also be here to talk about it. No matter what happens, we'll be forced to talk about this uh, nonsense basketball team uh, decided to uh, dedicate our, our lives to. Uh, seems like, a, well, Jay gets paid for it. He's professional. I guess I call myself a professional sports fan, but it's really more of a choice for me. Um, feels like a mistake every time I've watched them play the Miami Heat this series. But you know what? We move on to game four and we'll see what happens. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Sorry for the mic issues. I don't know how to improve it at this point. It just happens in the live room. Unless I guess I need to buy better uh, AirPods at this point. But uh, that's probably not going to change for game four. But I appreciate you staying with us. I appreciate everyone listening on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks for listening to this episode of Anything is Pod.